0: You're listening to What Book Hooked You? I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I had the chance to talk to Justina Ireland, whose book Dread Nation comes out on April the 3rd. Now, this is a book that I've been hearing so much about, and so I was very fortunate to be able to talk to Justina as she went through what went into this book and the stories that she read growing up and how they had an influence on her so listen in uh so justina what book hooked you
1: so the first book i can remember um reading a lot as a kid is this book called my brother sam is dead um which is like kind of like this really highly uplifting title um and the book is kind of the same kind of book it's uh it's a children's book. It takes place in um, the re- during the Revolutionary War, and this kid Sam, his family is um, a bunch of colonists, and his brother decides to run away and, and join the Continental Army, and so there's this whole thing where you know where Sam wants to follow his brother and he wants to like be a hero like his brother, and his brother's gone and he misses him, and then about two thirds of the way through the book, th- his brother returns and he's a deserter, and so then the rest of the book is kid trying to hide his brother Sam. Who eventually is um, taken by the Continental Army and um, hanged for treason because he deserted. He's a deserter, and so I don't. I just remember like checking out this book in like fourth and fifth grade, just like constantly. And, and the librarian kind of asking me like, "Are you sure you don't want to check out anything else?" And I'm like, "No." And I just for some reason this story just resonated like because I think it was because I really liked history and it was like patriotic part of history that was told in a very non-patriotic way because the main character is very much you know a patriot and and pro um you know independence and those kinds of things but it's just such a it's such a like bleak book <laughs> and i, <laughs> and, I and, as a, and as a kid i really liked bleak books um another book i always used to check out a lot um was um scary stories to still tell in dark which right. is these very like you know common urban legends that you know the story what you know you know the punchline too, um, and I always liked that one as well. I liked the illustrations and I always liked that it was just like unrelentingly dark. And so that's really what I I um, gravitated to as as a as a kid as like as a as an early reader. Um, as I got older, of course, I, I went through the same kind of like trends in reading like you know. Um, a little bit of Stephen King, a lot of uh, the books by Christopher Pike, who was a, a young adult author in the '90s, um, and and just kind of thing. But that book is just like the one book I keep. Re- always remember, and I'm always like, like, why did I like that book? And even as an adult, like, I yeah, I kind of googled the book because we we were talking about old children's books once, and I'm like, you know, you you can't even find this book in print anymore. And it's just like it was just not a book people remembered. But for me, it was like a really, really like momentous, important thing.
0: Yeah. And it's definitely not a book I'm familiar with. But so was that was that sort of always were you the girl, you know, walking around school always with one of those thick Stephen King books, you know, yeah. middle school, high school?
1: I liked Dean Koontz better than Stephen King. So yeah, so like I read, um, so I, I, was, I was the kid, I read a lot of YA in like fifth and sixth grade, just kind of anything I could get my hands on. I used to remember, I remember reading these things called like sweet romance, which were like these very like insipid kind of romance stories. And then I read a lot of like issue books. School libraries are, have come, I think, a long way. But a lot of my books, I well, love the books that they had in the school library when I was a kid were like you know from 20 years earlier so they're like from the 70s and um late 60s and i just remember reading this book like like it was called what happened to andrea or did you hear what happened to andrea and it basically it's about this girl who like hitchhike goes hitchhikes home after school one day and and like and, and gets uh assaulted and then like her like dealing with this so like it's just such a bleak book but <laughs> But I mean, like, and like, I don't remember. I mean, I remember reading a lot of books that weren't that way. But like, the Christopher Pike's books are very, also very, like, bleak. Like, these very, like, sex, drugs, murder, um, and like, it's like, I always like these books that were like very, like, kind of over the edge, dark. Like Dean Koontz, especially, um, his books tend to. tend to veer into the ridiculous area of of darkness Um, so much so that as an adult trying to read them, I'm like, how did I get through these books? Um, But like, yeah, I always liked those books. And I was, I was the kid who was always reading. Like I would always like sit in the class and like the first day we would get like an assigned reading book, I would read the whole thing. And then so I could like during the assigned reading, when you're supposed to be reading your, whatever the teacher's reading, you know, reading along in the class, I would always try to read something else because I mean, I'd already read the book at that point. So yeah, I, I was I was a voracious reader. I know um, a lot of people, especially a lot of authors, talk about like they were re- reluctant readers, but I was not. Um, I loved I loved books. I, I read a lot. I read and, and I read so much that at a certain point I would go to my school library and the librarian would be like, these are the new books we have because um, she knew I had already read all of mostly everything else that was on the shelf. So like whenever there were new books that came into the library system. Um, they would always hold them aside for me. And the same thing happened in middle school. I was in uh, junior high for, for where I live. Um, I was always like the kid was like, what's coming in new. And like every week, you know, when we had new books, like that was like, that was, I read a lot, a lot and mostly very dark things.
0: That's great. So at the same time then where you're kind of, you know, devouring all these books, did you have any dreams or aspirations or were you doing any of your own writing at the same time?
1: Um, I, I, I didn't, and I think most of it is because I didn't really think um, black people wrote stories that I wanted to read. So, like from like my experience with like any black literature, um, I was younger was mostly the like, kind of like these these issue like civil rights and slavery books right. that as we see and like you know like Sounder and um, Roll of Thunder and those kinds of things. And I wasn't interested in reading those those books. Like I always kind of felt like, ugh. Like I don't want to read about that stuff. So I'm like, I want to read about someone getting murdered. Like, <laughs> and so like, like so like, I never really thought about like, um, writing. I did write, I did write a short story once in seventh grade. I remember it was for um, dare week. I don't know if they don't do dare anywhere anymore. I don't think. But like, we did dare, and it was like you had to write a story about how drug drug abuse could impact someone's life or something like that. And I wrote this story, this very twee story about you know, this kid. One kid gets hooked on drugs and other kid doesn't because he goes and. The library or something after school, and the other kid gets killed because a bad a drug deal gone wrong. And I wanted—I only entered this contest because the, the prize was uh, a gift card to a, a local bookstore, right. and I was like, I really want this gift card. And I ended up winning for first place, and so I got this $50 gift card to like a, a bookstore, and I like that was like the best thing ever. Um, but after that, I didn't write. I didn't write fiction. I—I I mean, I wrote, obviously, I wrote for school for my local paper. I'm um, not the high school paper, but like the local, I live in a very small rural community, but, but the local, the local newspaper was a weekly paper. Uh-huh. And I wrote there about the, in my senior, my senior year, I wrote about the girls basketball team because they needed someone to cover the girls basketball games. And, um, I volunteered to do that because I was already going cause my friend was on the team. And so, yeah, like I, other than after that, I didn't really write. I didn't, um, it wasn't something I necessarily thought I could do. I still read. I've always been a reader. Um, And I'm also always been like a book hoarder. Like I'll go to the store and buy books and maybe just put them on a shelf until I'm ready to read them. Um, So like it kind of like having that, that experience of having a library in my own home. Like, so my, so my disposable income has always gone towards books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I didn't have it, like (laughs) it was like, it was like you can eat or you can go books, get books. I'm like ramen and books. (laughs) I'm like, I'll make it work. Um, But so like that was, yeah. So that's like, it was never really a thing about writing until I had my daughter about 10 years ago and then I was like, you know, I you have like that kind of moment like I'm going to be a parent and the world's ending and so I need to do something that so I'm not just like mom. And I was like, I think I want to write a book and like I tried it and it was terrible and hard and I didn't do it for a while and then I tried it again and it stuck. But yeah, I never I was never like I know a lot of people are like I've been writing since I was a kid. I'm like, no, I I wasn't really. I mean like I wrote but it was never anything I considered seriously. It was mostly just because something to fill the time until I could get my hands on another book.
0: And so after you're in school and you don't have that, you know, library right there for you all the time, you know, after high school, did you find that you still were able to kind of keep on reading uh, and finding books and getting into books? And that was a time you were able to kind of carve out in your life.
1: Yeah. So I went to the army after high school and a lot of people like I went to, uh, I did like a semester at a junior college and I was like, this is expensive and hard and I want someone to pay for my, my education. And so when I went to the army, the nice thing about going to the army is, um, the degree, uh, uh the program I did was language heavy. And so we had a library on base that was mostly language books. So it was like mostly like how does, like I was an Arab language for a while. So it was mostly books like in Arabic and like and those kinds of things and those were I'm like obviously I wasn't gonna read those and um, but there was also like we would take us a lot of time to because you're when you're studying a language you like you want to go study and um, a lot of the folks who I was in the service with had been had got, graduated college and, and then come into the service after graduating college so they had this kind of this culture of where we would you know go to the bookstore um, and like sit there and drink coffee and study these words and then of course like when you're kind of burned out, you would wander on the bookstore. So we used to go to our local borders and borders no longer exist. But I just remember like I would walk, we would walk in and like the borders would have the new books and I'm like, ah, oh, I know we're going to here to study, but I'm going to go look at the new books first. I don't think there was ever a time where like a significant amount of my paycheck in the army went, didn't go to books because I mean, they're already feeding me and housing me. Like, sure. I, could, <laughs> like sure. I don't have to worry about that. Um, and and because, um, just when you're like in that kind of transient situation where you're in the army and you're, you're moving from place to place, um, you can't necessarily join the library. Like I love libraries. I think libraries are hugely important, but like when you're only somewhere for a certain amount of time and you don't have anything to prove necessarily you're, um, that you're a resident, it can be hard to get a a library card. So I spent a lot of time, um, buying books and then exchanging books with other people. So like you know, you kind of read a book and then somebody was like, Oh, I was thinking about reading that book. I'm like, Oh, well, you can have this. Like, what do you have? And like there's a lot of book swapping that happens. And then a lot of times in the in the army, um, like when I was deployed, for example, um, people usually any kind of like there's usually like a day room and usually somebody always starts a library, so then there's always books to be read. So one of the nice things about the military is there's usually a lot of people who read um thrillers and like sci-fi, some high fantasy um but a lot of that stuff so like, there was always books around so and I'm like to be honest like I'm I've gotten to be a picky reader after becoming a writer but I was not a picky reader for a really long time and I would just read whatever and so that that was a nice thing about even when I didn't have a library nearby um I would always go to one now when I settled here in Pennsylvania it's Pennsylvania one of the, the benefits of of a commonwealth is there we have a pretty robust library system and mm-hmm. um the libraries are fantastic and so since I've lived here um I've had a library card and I'm not as great about using it because actually I have um, – because the way they've done some things in Pennsylvania, I actually have a, like three library cards. So right. <laughs> so I tend to go to the library, buy my work and not necessarily the library by my house. Um, but I still buy a lot of books. I still I like I like buying books and I like supporting books. And even if I don't read them right away, um, if it's like – for example, if it's like a trilogy and I, I know I want to read it but I'm not going to read it until the trilogy is complete, I try to buy the first book because you know now that I'm inside of publishing, I know how that impacts whether the trilogy right. gets to finish or not. Um, So I do buy a lot of books. I do spend a lot. I probably spend a lot of my disposal the income on books. Um, not so much other like nice to haves like makeup or clothes. Um, I still I'm still a huge, huge book nerd. I, I really, really love books.
0: When you were deployed or when you were in the army, you know, you were reading a lot. But are there, there is there a book or two that come to mind as like these were books that were maybe really impactful or you just enjoyed uh, and they really stand out more than all the other things you were reading around that time?
1: Um, while I was in the army, I read this this book series. that I don't think has aged very well, but it's called the Black Jewel series by Anne Bishop, and it's kind of about this kind of quasi uh, matriarchal society where these women are witches and the men don't have as much power. And like the power, the amount of power that it's very it's fantasy. It's like a dark fantasy mm-hmm. kind of series. It at the time it was really great. I don't know that it holds up now, like with uh, some of the current conversations about. Um, power dynamics and, sure. and consent um because it's also like very sexy and stuff mm-hmm. like that so like that's what when i like that's a series i really thoroughly enjoyed um i read a lot of, of fantasy when i was in the army i also read um jacqueline Carey's um series the Cushil's dart series which is about a woman who um is like kind of like marked by the gods and has like this great destiny and stuff like that but she's also a, a sex worker which it sounds really like what but it makes sense in the in the scope of the book because she's spying and she's like kind of working like all the on these all these different angles. Um, and I just remember thinking that was like a really unique thing I hadn't seen in fantasy is like that that woman's point of view doing something doing living like, like an adventure like but not like as a farm boy who's going to off to fulfill a prophecy. So I just like that thought that was a different and something unique. So those are the two series that really stick out while I was on active duty, after, no, after I got active, off of active duty, I did read, I'm like, I, I there are other books I've read, and one of them, that's kind of one of those books I always recommend, is N.K. Jemisin's 100,000 Kingdoms um, trilogy. I just think it was just such a beautiful trilogy, and like, it's a trilogy that isn't a trilogy, so if you come into like any of the books, you can still get a full story, but I do think they're like a nice trio of books that work well together.
0: And so then, uh, you said, it was when you uh, became a mother uh, that really sort of uh, gave you the drive to uh, want to take your hand at writing. So were there books around that time uh, when you were kind of thinking about this idea uh, that inspired you to want to start?
1: When I started writing, I was just kind of, you know, writing. And then like the, one of the things they would tell you is go join a writing group and find other people to critique your writing. So I did that. And everyone was writing these very like literary, like self-reflective novels. And I just wanted to write like cool adventure stories. Um, and everyone kept saying like the voice in this sounds young. Like when I was writing, people were like, this doesn't sound like an adult. This sounds like a teen. This sounds like a teen. And I was like, hey. and then of course my husband was like, have you heard of this book called twilight? So I was like, no. And then like at that time, Stephanie Meyer was on like 60 minutes or something. Cause I mean like this, these are the kind of shows, you know, grown up old people watch. Sure. And so like we watched 60 minutes and I was like, this woman has a really nice house. And she wrote a, one, <laughs> like, like a trilogy of like vampire books. I'm like, I like vampire books. I can write some. Um, and so like I read the books and they were they were not good. They were they were not my, my jam at all. Like I understand why people like them, but they're still like still to this day I'm just like I just I can't. Um but at the same time, right as like I had finished like like trying to like slog through these books, and then to be fair, like I maybe read like half the first one and then kinda of skimmed through the rest of the of the quartet. Um, I read The Hunger Games. And that was the first book I was like, Oh wow, this is this is something, this is amazing, like this is this is incredible. Like this is, this is a book that reads like a movie. Like this is like, I can see this. Like, I don't, I don't, it's not like I can, and I'm like, you know, sitting there and I'm like at work at that time. And, um, you know, I'm in my, at my day job and I have like lunch is over with and I'm like trying to like read one more chapter before anybody catches that I'm not, (laughs) that lunch is done. And I haven't like started like processing a spreadsheet or something. Um, and I ended up reading it like relatively quickly and I was like, and and it just happened that I caught the book towards right before the second book came out. Um, and so when Catching Fire came out, um, I read it and I like devoured it in like an afternoon and I was like, these books are amazing. And then that kind of turned me on to other young adult books. And I started reading a lot of young adults and I was like, I can write this. I can do this voice. I can, I can, I see how the prose works. I think that's one of the great things like about reading is once you understand how books work, it makes it easier to write them. And so like, especially for people who are aspiring authors, the hunger games is a great book because like, it's very, it's very clear how the book works it's and it's very clear why the book works. And you can almost you know, look and highlight the parts that make the book work, that, that the stuff that's the action that's driving the story forward, the moments where you're building connections to the character, the moment where the characters are building connections to each other. Like, it's just such a great book. And so, like, I mean, like, now I don't think that necessarily the entire trilogy is great. Like, I was not a fan of, you know, the second book is basically a rehash of the first, and then the, the third book is not good. But the first book is a great, solid read. And so that was really the book that made me say, like, I really want to write YA and that made me start writing YA.
0: And so what were some of those first attempts like, uh, they were obviously fantasy, but what did they kind of deal with?
1: Oh, they're hot messes. They were so t- terrible. <laughs> they were so bad. Um, so like the first book I wrote was a book, um, about a girl who finds out she's, she's half fae or fairy. Um, and she lives in this world and she has the ability to control fire. Cause she's like this elemental fairy. And it was like this very much like there's a, there's a, Smoldery boy, and there's like a family secret and she's like running around trying to figure out what's going on um, And then like the story just kind of ended because I wasn't, <laughs> like, it wasn't Like you know, I like I got the rising action But I forgot right. like I didn't couldn't quite figure out how to like pull it all these strings these plot threads together And so kind of it was just like eh, they all have really ever after um, And it was terrible and I tried to query it and I like I learned how to query I learned how to write a query letter, but the book was not good, right? Um, and then my second book was a story about, um, a girl who finds out that she is, um, but well, she knows she's part of this family of grim reapers and they kind of like, it's kind of like this family business where they come of age and they, they help like kind of pop the soul. They kind of do soul maintenance on after people die. So like the soul doesn't necessarily go where it's supposed to after a person dies, it can get trapped in the body. So they're kind of there to make sure like that doesn't happen. And she has, of course, this like power that's a little wonky, and so that causes complications. And that book actually got me a literary agent, so that was exciting. Um, but it never sold because I mean that's one of the things. That a lot of times you can get an agent, but that doesn't mean your book's going to actually sell. Um, and then after that, the next book I wrote was a, was *Vengeance Bound*. Was about a girl who's possessed by a, kind of the Furies, and uh, you know at night she goes out and she like punishes the wicked. Um And yeah, so like that was like, so I I had a actually relatively short attempts at trying to get published. I, mean, I do know folks who like have written, wrote, you know, for 13, 14 years, numerous books before one actually hit. I was, you know, I was, I was pretty lucky that, you know, my third book that I wrote, you know, ended up getting published.
0: You've kind of then achieved this. And uh, once you kind of knew that your voice or people were telling that your voice was y a as you kind of uh, were getting into uh, hunger games and things like that were you kind of branching out into other things and seeing what other genres were part of y a at that time or was it always more or less in that same kind of why fantasy y a lane
1: yeah it was always I always liked um but I liked historical fiction and I really liked reading historical fiction um I didn't like reading YA historical fiction so much because I think i always thought a lot of the like historical details got kind of pushed to the side for the mm-hmm. romance. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mean, not to say that, that it, there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't something I like I, I liked historical romance on the adult side well enough that I didn't need like why to kind of copy that I wanted why to be something different. Um, and I also found like, I kept coming back to why historical fiction and it just felt like the same time periods were consistently addressed. Like it didn't feel like there was a lot of variation on, on what, I mean like, like the 1920s and World War II, like these seem to be really popular time periods for, for folks to focus on, like late 1800s, Victorian England, those kinds of things. And so like, it was kind of like, eh, these aren't like, these weren't really the things I want to watch. So I ended up reading a lot of YA fantasy. And then I also read adult fantasy. Um, and I do read some adult historical fiction, but it tends to be a little too dry for my taste. Like I do like a little bit some things. Like those are just why I end up usually reading historical romance. Um, so like, as I was writing, like I wanted to write historical fiction, but I just wasn't good enough. Like it, like you can – so there's so like this feeling when you're writing something and you're like – you can feel like, yeah, that's great. That's landing where I want it to. And then you, there's other times where you're writing and you're like, I don't – it just feels – it feels like trying to build something out of Ublek. Have you ever made that Ublek where you take the cornstarch and water mm-hmm. until it reaches that weird consistency where you can pick it up but then it just slides through your fingers? Right. Like that's kind of what it feels like when you're trying to write something. You're just not quite – your craft isn't there yet. Um so like I just kind of focused on writing like why fantasy or right like um contemporary fantasy until I finally got to the point where I was like, well maybe I can write this historical fiction thing I want to write because I do like historical fiction and I especially like American historical fiction. I really like American history. Um I really like how the stuff we learn in school isn't necessarily the entirety of American history, mm-hmm. and we we have this very much like, this narrative in, in our our public public education where we teach like heroes, the heroes right. history, right? And so like I always like like the grittier part of history, like the Industrial Revolution is such like a messy part of history, and and um you know the the first Progressive Era after after the the end of Reconstruction is such a messy part of history where people are are like you know like people are like workers are fighting in the streets and like there's riots and. Like, you know, then there's also like, you know, this whole like, you know, terror terrorism in the South with the lynching campaign and like like, like we don't get any of that. What we get is like civil war is over with and then we go into the Spanish American War and then what's World War One and then World War Two and we're all heroes. And so like I kinda always liked write reading in those areas that nobody nobody touched. And so when it came time to write a book, I was like, let's talk about Reconstruction because like we don't talk about Reconstruction or the failures of Reconstruction in a way other than it happened and then it was time for, you know, the Spanish-American War. So, yeah, so, like, when I, it, it came time to, like, you know, start thinking about writing um, after after I finished Promise of Shadows, I was like, I'm going to try writing this hard thing. Because, like, at that time, um, my first two books hadn't sold very well. So I, I kind of figured, like, I was never going to sell a book again. And so I was just going to write something that I wanted to write for me.
0: And so the new book, uh, Dread Nation, we know kind of your thinking behind it. So give us kind of the synopsis of what the book's about.
1: Yeah, so the book is about, um, the battle, the battle of Gettysburg and Chancellorsville, which kind of happened about the same time. Um, don't end in like this bloodshed. It ends in the zombie apocalypse. So, you know, basically the North and the South are fight in it and out. And then every, all the, you know, all the dead start to rise and all of a sudden they're like, Oh my gosh, there's something else to fight. So that kind of gets, gives the war like a stalemate and people turn towards survival instead of, you know, instead of war, different kind of survival. Um, so this takes place, the book takes place about 17 years later in, uh, around 1880. And, um, we follow Jane Keene, who is a girl, a black girl who is in this school. That's kind of like a preparatory school to train her to fight the dead or, or the shamblers as she calls them, because you know, the word zombie just doesn't exist in her time right. to, to to protect well-to-do white women, because there's this idea that that Negroes and uh, Native Americans are kind of immune to the zombie virus or to whatever's causing people to become zombies. They don't really have the word virus either, but it's, it's implied. And so they have this idea that, that they can go out and fight the dead and and make the world safer for everybody else. Um, which is kind of modeled on if like, you know, kind of the idea of of how our volunteer army tends to be mostly poor kids. Um, so it's kind of like this idea, like these are the people who should go fight and keep the rest of us safe. And so she's kind of gets, She's kind of, you know, just trying to do her thing and survive and, and get back home to to her her mom. And um, there's she kind of stumbles upon this kind of like this political intrigue and that like sets off a chain of events. But, yeah, it's mostly about, you know, the zombie apocalypse happens in the Civil War.
0: And so as you're writing this um, and kind of going through and, and and writing out the story, you know, there was kind of this. Around the same time, this kind of zombie renaissance, we'll call it. Did yeah. that kind of concern you or that this was sort of a trend? Did you f- feel scared that uh, people might see it as you following a trend?
1: Um, I didn't worry about it because – so it's kind of funny how zombies have come and go and come and go and come and go. Um, so like when I – like it took me a very long time to write this book, but when I started writing the book, Mostly, my biggest concern was people like would say, "Oh, what are you working on?" I'm like a zombie book, and people are like, "Oh, I can't stand zombies," and that was my biggest concern because like people like are very have very very visceral feelings about zombies, and then I was like, "Okay, well." you know, it's cool because there's also history. And then people are like, oh, I hate history. <laughs> like, <so laughs> it's like, it's kind of like, it's like the intersection of everything people hate. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and write this book. And uh, if it doesn't do anything, at least, you know, at least I know I gave it the gold college try. So I tried not to look at trends. Like I try even now, like when like I, I, people are like, oh, look, this is the new hot thing. Um, because by the time you get a book to publication, all that new hot thing is the old thing. And so like, like my whole, my thing is like, I kind of think zombies are timeless and I think they're timeless um, because they, a zombie book's not really about the zombies. It's about everything else people don't want to talk about, right? Like the zombies are just a vehicle to talk about those difficult subjects that we don't like to talk about as human beings. I mean, even if you look at something as popular as like the walking dead, like the zombies really aren't what's driving that show. The mm-hmm. interactions between the characters are what's driving the show. The zombies are just a plot device to move your characters from one point to the next point, right? It's like, right. oh no, now everything's falling apart. Zombies. Okay, now we can move to the next scene. So like I think like that's like that was never a concern because it's not like it's it's not like vampires where like vampires had this and even I think vampires. I think if you have like a well written vampire book that's looking at the the mythology and the and the tropes and what exists in, in the in the Canon and trying to do something different with it. I think you could still write something fresh and new I think that's I think that's the the like like folks people shouldn't be afraid of tropes because tropes exist for a reason, right? They, they exist because people like them and because they're a good touchstone in our mythology It's you know It's like being afraid of a fairy tale or a once the you know that once upon a time like we all know what to expect when someone says once upon a time you know, Because that's that's a that's a cue that we have in our, our, our lexicon readers don't come to the page Without that that kind of background knowledge, without those touchstones, so the goal isn't to necessarily make something that no one's ever heard of or read. It's to understand what's already out there and put your own unique twist on it. And I think that's like what I tried to focus on more than you know, like saying my not, my zombies are new and fresh and they're completely different. It's like no, they're the zombies you know, but they just happen to exist in olden times, right? Because you know, like that was a really long time ago. And so like I think that's like that's like where like where i tried to go with it is like to recognize that what like instead of trying to be something new and unique kind of just recognize like okay i am in conversation with all of these other books that exist in the canon like how do i make mine a little bit fresher and how do i take what they've done and either say yes that's correct or no that's not correct and kind of build upon that
0: and so it seems like it's been at least maybe nine months uh, that I've been hearing about this book. And, you know, it finally comes out on April 3rd. But, uh, you know, it's been all this up and excitement for it to the to the point where I imagine, like, at times people might even be mistaking you for like this debut writer, even though this is your third book. Has...
1: I... <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot, too. Yeah. So ahead, ha- I'm sorry.
0: has it seemed different to you, this whole process of getting this book to publication uh, than the first two books?
1: Oh, most definitely. Yeah. The first two, the first two books was kind of like the, you know, you pet you on the shoulder. It's like, I have a book out and everyone's like, Oh, sweetie, everybody has a book out. <laughs> um, and so like, it was kind of like, not like it was very underwhelming and like, it like, it was kind of like, you know, and the thing about being a debut is you have all these expectations for your book. It's like, it's like having a, your first child, it's like, my child's going to be a famous ice skater and they're going to, they're going gonna, gonna to take them to gym gymnastics class and they're going to, get it the first try and then you realize that your kid is a person and people are messy and complex and don't necessarily fall into the, the places you want them to be and that's how books are too like you can love a book but if it's just not to the point where everybody else loves it it's just kind of kind of go out there and do what a lot of books do which is a whole lot of nothing and so um so my first two books went out there and did a whole lot of nothing and so like I think like that changed my perspective like you know people are like you're getting a lot of attention that's exciting and I'm like I guess because I'm just still waiting for the people to not care. Like right? that's like like that's the problem with like having like two books and people are like, You're a debut and I'm like, No, I'm not though. Like I have I have two other books and but the fact that you think I'm a debut kind of says more about how we treat debuts and how yeah. we, we value newness in publishing as opposed to the people who are kind of like steadily putting out a good product time year after year after year. You know, there are a lot of authors who are on their, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh book but maybe aren't like a John Green or a Stephanie Meyer um, like you know a house like Cassandra Clare like a household name and i think that's like where i'm just trying to kind of keep my head at is that this book could have a lot of buzz and it could come out and just kind of do okay and i could just have a lot of i could have a very good writing career with a bunch of books that just kind of do okay and that's good like that's a good that's that's a positive thing it's much better than the alternative which is never having another book published again so, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying not to, like, look at the buzz as, like, any indicator of anything because, like, down that road lies madness. And I'd rather just, like, try to focus on the next book, which is hard enough as it is.
0: And does it feel like a different book of the three books that you've had? Does this third book, uh, as far as how you've written it, are you more proud of it or do you look at it and say, you know, I've definitely come so much farther as a writer through the process of this book?
1: Oh yeah, most definitely. I think every book I've written has been much better. Like my first book, like that I read, like I wrote like way back in the day, like compared to this book, it's like, I mean, they don't even like live in the same neighborhood. Like they're like, they're just like completely different. But even this book compared to the first book that was published, like I can see where I'm a better writer. And I think that's, that's one of the things is like that the only way to become good at writing is by writing. It's like playing an instrument. You can't be good thinking about playing the guitar, Like you have to actually sit down and play the guitar um and like i think i think this book is where i can see where i finally hit my 10,000 hours where i can finally say like look at, and point at things and say hey i did a good job here i did a good job here too that's you know this is this is working now it doesn't mean that the next book is is going to be good that book still sucks too right now um at some point that might not be the case it might be better but i do, i do think at this, this book is is different i think this also this book is different because i feel like with my first two books i was trying I, I spent a lot of my time because I, I really, really wanted to be published, um, keeping the market in mind, and I mm-hmm. think that led to me producing something that isn't necessarily terribly unique. Like you could put, you know, my first book in a lineup with, you know, twenty other paranormalish books that came out around the same time, and you'd be hard pressed to, to, fi- to see what's different about it, right? And I, like, like when I read through it, like, now, like, when time, every once in a while people will like, oh, I picked up your first book, and I'm like, oh, God, and then I, like, go pick up my copy off the shelf, and I'll read through it, and I'm like, ah, oh, like, the like you know, like, the opening chapter is the first day of school thing, like, right? It's, like, so cliched. Um, and so, like, now I, I see that, and I'm like, yeah, I, I know not to do these things, but there are, I know now I'm making other mistakes that I'll be able to correct them through future books. So, at some point, probably around, like, book 20, I'll, I'll sit, be able to sit down and write a book without feeling like I messed something sure. up, um, but yeah, I, this book does feel different. This book, the this book, it seems like people are responding to it, um, and also it's just a matter of timing. I think I like there's some like conversations that are happening in the book that are mirror what's happening in society as a whole. Um, I think like this book coming in the shadow of books like um, otherwise books like Danielle Clayton's The Bells and um, Tomi Adeyemi's um, *Children of Blood and Bone* like make, makes it kind of like people know where it fits in the conversation. And then also, you know, *Black Panther* just came out, which is only going to help. You know, books that have like you know amazing looking black strong black women on the cover. So like all of this, I think is a lot of it is just because I'm just but the book is hitting at the right time. Now, who's to say if this book could hit two years before or two years after now if it if people would be this excited? I don't know, but I I do appreciate that people are seem to be very excited for it.
0: So. You had mentioned that what really kind of motivated to get you started into writing in the first place was uh, having a child and having your daughter. So uh, when you think about this book, that's now your third book, and your daughter, is this something that uh, you can give your daughter and, and be very proud of?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, not yet. She's got to wait a little, she's, get a little, she's only in, on the middle grade books right, right. now. Mm-hmm. So like, like there might be a little bit much My nightmares for this one. But yeah, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is something like, like I do think like, you know, in a few years, and she's to the point now where she actually understands that I write books, and that's not something everyone's parent does. Um, for a long time, she like, because she would, you know, we would go, and, every time we went to an event, she met other people's parents, like they were also writers, like I said, everybody's got a book. Um, and so like for, she didn't like really kind of put those things together, but now she's at the point where she's in school and they're actually, you know, reading books together in class and like, she's, you know, coming home and she's like, I didn't like this book. And we talked about like, why didn't you like the book? Like, what is it, what is it that you didn't like about it? You know, what's not appealing and, and those kinds of conversations. So yeah, like this book, I think uh, is definitely something I'll hand her and say like, look, this is great. Maybe not so much my first book. Cause that one, my second book was okay. Like it was a solidly okay book. But this, yeah, this obviously is the book that I'm the proudest of. And I think, I think that's every author. Like, I think like, you know, you know, we always said I like, like compared books to children earlier, but books aren't like children. You don't have to love them all equally. Like, <laughs> like, like you don't know, like, you don't have to be a terrible author if you're like, this book is terrible. Because um, my first book is not, you know, it's not the best book. And like, I can look at it now and say, like, it's not the best book, but I can say that because I wrote a better book. And so I think that's like, that's what authors should be and are mostly striving for is to always write a better book. So, yeah, I, I think I at least accomplished that, if nothing else.
0: That's great. So a few questions as we wind down. Uh, the first one is, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book?
1: This is so hard, and then it's not, because it's Princess Bride. Like It's literally like my favorite movie, period, and it's based on a book. Um, but then I am also love Die Hard, which is also another one of my favorite movies, and it's also based on a book. However, the difference between those two is, Princess Bride is based on a pretty good book, and <laughs> Die Hard is based on a terrible book. But I love both of those and both of those movies and they're both based on books.
0: That's great. So next question. Is there a book or series that you're willing to admit that you've either never read at all or weren't able to finish? Oh,
1: it's just so I'm I this is like my secret shame thing. People always makes people boo is Harry Potter. I just do not like the Harry Potter books like at all. Um, I watched the movies because, um, I, like I said, as someone who has a kid, like you know, your kid's like, let's watch Harry Potter, and you're like, okay, yeah, this is you know something that's probably not going to. I mean, I okay, I say this, but then like there's a, the whole Death Eaters thing, and then there's right. the whole like um, Dementors thing, and then I was like, oh, maybe this wasn't a great idea. But we but we ended up watching it just because you know it was like one of those things that's like everybody's talking about. It. It's like, oh, I should probably know what this is, you know. for the, for my cultural lexicon, if nothing else. Yeah. Harry Potter. Like I got like two chapters in that first book. I'm like, this is boring. And (laughs) put it aside. I was also a little too old for when it came out. Like, so when it came out, I was already, I would have already been in the army and like, this was a middle grade book and I, it's not something I would have necessarily picked up. So like, I think it's just like, I am just in that, that generation that missed it. Um, and then my kid now, like she's at the generation, she's at the age where she should start wanting to read it. But there's only a couple of kids in her class have, who've picked it up, and mostly because their parents loved it. And so, mm-hmm. like she's kind of, she's kind of like, eh. I watch I watched the movie. We're good. So yeah, Harry Potter's mine. I know that people are probably like, boo, right now, but like, it's my, it's my not so secret shame. So.
0: And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read?
1: I just finished um, Danielle Clayton's *The Bells*, which just came out a couple weeks ago. Last week, I think. Um, and it's just it's just amazing. She she does some really interesting things with language. Um, she does this. She has this very like kind of feeling of dread in the book that is so visceral. And I I think if people people who who maybe are just reading for entertainment who aren't doing necessarily a close read uh, might miss it. But like even when these very like lovely moments are happening, there's just like this this feeling that I can only describe as. Sitting at the wrong table in the high school cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Um, like so we've all had that moment where we're like, Oh no, I'm not supposed to be here. Somebody's gonna notice. Or like if you're in college, you know, you think you might have walked into the wrong class. Like that kind of feeling of dread and uncertainty, that book has it. And yet it says like this very like lovely tale about these um, these um, girls who can make people beautiful, kind of with this power. So yeah, Don Clayton's the Bells is the last book that I read that I was just like, This is great. I love this.
0: That's great. So. well, Justina, Dread Nation comes out April third. Uh, I yes. know, I know. I've bought into the hype, and I'll uh, be getting it. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. And that does it for another episode of What Book Hooked You. Special thanks to Justina Ireland for joining me. Her book, Dread Nation, comes out on April the third. Be sure not to miss out on it. And I hope you won't miss out on some of the other great conversations I've had with authors. And if you like them, please think about rating and reviewing the podcast. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.